That last reading is a challenging. Imagine leaving your work, your family, where you grew up, all your security, who you are as a person, leaving it and going and following someone. It's unknown what's going to happen, how long for, where are we going to live, what are we going to eat, not knowing anything about that. It requires just a complete trust in that person uh, to stick really close to them, to find out more about them and to find out more about what life's going to be like as you follow them. That's what these disciples did. It's the same today for us. We're called to follow Jesus. Uh, There's great parallels for us in this passage as we'll look at it. Uh, But don't worry, we're not called to move away from home, or some of us aren't anyway. Some might think that's a good idea. Some parents might think that's a good idea too. (laughs) Let's have a look at the passage. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we've looked last week at, uh, we're looking at who is Jesus. We saw he's the son of God, he's, he's uh, Jesus, uh, the saviour and Christ the king. And we're, this Mark's gospel is just encouraging us to have another look at Jesus, a fresh look, a revitalised look. And we're looking more today, we see more of that. In verse 14 it says that after John was put in prison, John, John the Baptist uh, in the other Gospels you'll read, there's been a, um, a period of time where Jesus has been uh, tempted in the wilderness for 40 days um, and there's quite a period of time that's happened. And now John's been put into prison. Why mention that here? I was puzzled about that. I couldn't understand. You know, they don't put things in the Bible by mistake. They're still usually there for a reason. And as I read commentaries, it said that John being put in prison marked an end of his ministry and the start of Jesus. A definite transition. And Jesus almost restrained by God until John's out of the way and now Jesus comes out and starts proclaiming the good news of God in Galilee. And look at Galilee. Why, why is Galilee mentioned? Galilee's in the north of Israel. It's um, an area where people who were invaded over the years from Assyria and Babylon and, and, uh, and the Syrians coming across to um, would always start with Galilee. It was always getting hit first by invaders. And so the Galileans had become a very stubborn people, uh, full of nationalistic pride. We're Jews, we love being Jews in Israel. Uh, They were very strong about that. And they symbolise a group of people who are really in bondage to the old system and need this new way of responding to God that's found in Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9 talks about a light of salvation coming to this group of people, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus comes there, starts proclaiming the good news, the gospel. He's fully obeying God, and this is God's plan. It's God's decisive action in sending his son at this particular time in history. And the focus is on the God who's acting uh, on his past election of Israel as as his people, the way he's continued to uh, help them over difficult times and call them back to him. And now his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is near. God's reign is about to be seen taking place on earth in a whole new way, in a very powerful way, in the person of Jesus. Verse 15. Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, the reign of God in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
and a reign that's going to be established in the hearts and lives of people. It's going to overcome forces of evil. Read about that in the following chapter soon. It's going to mean the removal from the world of all the consequences of sin. We're going to be forgiven and the death which rules after sin, eternal death, is going to be replaced with eternal life. The creation of a new order where you can be righteous, right with God through Jesus Christ and you can have peace with your creator because you're freed from judgment and being condemned. This kingdom of God is near. It's there. It's it's ready for. It's entering the world. People are called to change a heart and accept this news which John has been preparing the way for. The kingdom of God is in the person of Jesus. We'll read over in Mark chapter 13, verse 28. It talks about the fig tree. Fig trees were common. I actually talked about this other night in waves. I saw the talk. But fig trees were common around. People would see the fig tree and they could see the fruit forming on the fig tree and, and they could know that as the, the fig tree fruit formed, they would watch it as to whether it's, when it's ready to pick and eat. It was quite visible. And the parable was talking about the fig tree as it shows signs of season, signs, showing signs of harvest coming. The same with the kingdom of God is near, recognises signs, recognises it's time to respond to the kingdom. It's upon us. There's an urgency in this whole call because it's going to impose a radical demand on people to respond. Either, either you submit to God's summons or you reject it. You have a free will. You can reject it. But Jesus is calling for people to respond and a radical response at that. To repent, to recognise they're going the wrong way, they're ignoring God, they're not honouring God the way they should, and they want to turn around seeking forgiveness and change their life. And then believe the good news, trusting in Jesus Christ and living that changed life, coming from a changed heart, a changed mind, and living a changed life. So Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom, but he's not giving the content right now. We're just getting that summons, the kingdom of God is near. And we're hearing repent and believe. The rest of Mark will fill out what that means. Verse 16. As he walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. But once they left their nets and followed him. Now, the other Gospels help us to understand there's a bit more to this. And Luke records, Luke chapter 5 records, that Jesus was teaching the crowds. He came to where these guys were fishing. And in fact, uh, Simon and uh, his brother had been fishing all night, caught nothing. And he says, look, cast your net on the other side. And they, you know, they know the area, they haven't caught anything, but they do it. So they cast the net out. When they're going to pull the net, it's so many fish in there, it's almost going to break. It's a record catch. And Luke records that Simon uh, ran to Jesus, fell at Jesus' feet and said to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He was convinced that Jesus was some sort of, not not God at this point, but but some sort of mighty person. and, And he was also convicted that he was sinful at that point. And Jesus calls him to come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Now as you read this, you think, oh, hang on, we should have Bob Pickworth here and talk about fishing, we should have fishing stories, it's all about fishing. But as you read the Gospels, it's not all about fishing. 
Uh, he doesn't keep going on telling about being fishermen, fishermen, fishermen. In fact, he uses lots of other things, like says, he says fisherman, but he also says farmer. He also says builder. He talks about being reapers, being shepherds, being stewards, being servants. There's a whole lot of different ways of describing someone who follows Jesus and continues the work of Jesus in this world as they follow him. The common aspect of all these um, is an obligation, an obligation to the Lord and to other people, to the Lord Jesus and other people is the common aspect of all these obligations of these terms. Verse 18, they hear the, they hear the uh, call to follow Jesus and they do it at once. At once they left their nets and followed him. It's a radical response. It's doing it immediately. It's going after him as leader. It's not saying, hang on, Dad, look, you know, we're going to go away for a while. Dad says, how long? You know, they don't know. There's none of that going on. Well, there might have been, but we didn't see about it. There wasn't any plan that something, you know, we'll be back in so many months. Uh, there's no packing up the gear. Um, it's just going and following Jesus. Obedience for both pairs of brothers to the call of Christ was going to be costly. They had to abandon all they held dear, all their earthly security in their commitment to Christ. Each left all they had, and that's a minimum requirement. As we follow Jesus, we call to put him first above all other things. Luke 14 would say, In the same way, any of you who does not give everything he has, give up everything he has, cannot be my disciples. Jesus doesn't want second place in anyone's life. He wants to be first place. He wants to be the one that we seek out, that we want, that we rely on putting him in a place of priority in all that we do. Verse 19, the other two brothers. The other two brothers are also fishermen. Gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, this is a successful business. Uh, they've got hired men. They've got employees. It's a family business. They're all family businesses. Um, but, and they're probably family businesses that have been handed down from one generation to another to another. And it'd be pretty uh, unheard of of not staying and continuing the family business. Again, they're called to leave their financial security. They're called to leave their place of significance in the community. And they're called to follow Jesus, leaving family, jobs. Does the Son of God have the same claim over our lives today? Not that we're going to leave Richmond, not that we're going to leave our work, not we leave our family, but does he have the same claim that we follow him? that we put him as first, that we put everything else as secondary to Jesus. You see, he's calling ordinary people, isn't he? He's not going in and calling the religious leaders or the, the scholars or the, the, the people who are powerful and, and in control of things. He's just going out in the workforce and calling ordinary people. Nothing special. You know, Simon will be Simon Peter, will go on to be the leader of all the disciples. He was never much of a writer. That's why we're reading Mark's account of Simon, Peter's words. Mark writes, he's the secretary for Peter, calling ordinary people, 
to do extraordinary things. Jesus Christ is still doing that today with us right now. People can refuse Jesus' call. Some will later on. If you refuse it, God gives us a free will, but you've got to face the consequences. And the challenge for us is, will we submit to the authority of Jesus, the Son of God? Will we put him as number one in our life, as first priority? When we plan what we do, where will Jesus be? You know, if we, if we plan to have a holiday, where do we, put, do we think about Jesus at all? If we plan with our money that we get each week, do we think about Jesus? If we plan to um, move away, do we think about what would Jesus want me to do? With our time, do we consider what would Jesus want me to do? Where is Jesus? Does he keep coming up in our minds? Is he really the priority? Calls for radical surrender of, to Jesus of all that we are and all that we hold is important. And it's true today for us. It doesn't mean your work, your family, your place of living. That for some people it does. For those who have gone to full-time ministry, it does. It means I've done that. Uh, Amy Jackson, we sent her out recently this year, haven't we? Amy has gone to Marston Park. It means moving over there, living over there, working over there. It's not far away. She comes back, but it's, it's a move. Uh, last week, we celebrated seven years of Auckland Evangelical. Rowan and Sarah Hilston, they lived here, grew up here. They went to more College to study and live. They went to Rudy Hill to study and live and prepare. Now they've gone to Auckland, which is even further away. Us, Ros and Tony, it's a bit further to go and see the, the grandkids in Auckland. And we've had a lot of people do that, have gone into full-time ministry and have moved away because of that. But it doesn't mean it applies to each and every one of us. We're all called to give Jesus that right place in our life, that place of number one, of being central, of being at the centre of all that we do. And it all starts with our hearts and minds. It first of all starts with a mind that sees Jesus as Jesus, the Saviour of the world, Christ the King, the Son of God, the one that I just don't just need, the one that I should honour because he's there at creation. He's the one who, who created me and sustains what's going on right now and ultimately will take me to heaven. And all that in our minds, as we understand our minds, it then goes into our, mo our emotions. Now, I like Auckland Evangelical because at this point, they've got a motto that really is a good motto. Anyone know the motto of Auckland Evangelical? You won't forget it when I tell you. Captivated by Christ. Captivated by Christ. What does it mean to be captivated by something? You can't get enough of it. You're focused on it. You want it. You dream about it. You think about it. You work for it. You, it just preoccupies who you are. Captivated. Captivated not by hobbies or interests or getting wealthy or, or social standing, or, but captivated by Jesus Christ. Can't get enough of Jesus. Want Jesus more and more and more. Want to mix with Jesus people. Want to talk about Jesus. Jesus just, just at the centre of everything. Captivated by Christ. That's really our emotions. Our mind knowing who he is and what he's done and our emotions where we really want Jesus and we're prepared then to surrender to him. We're prepared to, to make him a priority in every way. 
and we're committed to him. We've got a will for Jesus that's going to mean we're determined. As things come up, as things try to push him out, we're determined to keep Jesus at the centre. We'll fight for Jesus at the centre. We will resist these other things. We want Jesus and we want him badly and we want him more. And that's that transformed life that Jesus gives us. A life that's transformed around him, by him, through him, in him. He's the sinner. What about us today? You might say, I'm not a fisherman. doesn't apply to me. Well, it does. It applies to whoever we are, whatever we do. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus in whatever that means for us in our life and wherever that takes us, not necessarily away, but what it takes us in the ministries or doing things with people or whatever. Let's be captivated by Jesus Christ.